Do you know how to drive out evil spirits? We will talk about this essential ministry skill and more on today's Five State Revival Podcast. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Mann. My goal with all of these podcasts is to encourage and to invest in the move of God that's happening in South Dakota and North Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. We are going to have three main segments in today's episode. In segment number one, I am going to share three ways that we need to prepare for the coming outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In segment number two, I will highlight a key quality of an excellent spirit from the writings of the Apostle Paul. And finally, in segment three, I will give a brief training for how to drive out evil spirits. Now let's dive into segment number one. Last weekend, I had the privilege of attending a gathering in Minnesota where I was able to hear David Bradshaw, uh, who is the the leader of the national movement Awaken the Dawn based out of Fredericksburg, Virginia. And uh, he was just sharing his heart about what he sees, what he feels the Lord doing in this season in our country. And um, he said that he feels that Within the next three to five years that the United States will experience a major outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, he wasn't saying that as a prophetic word. He wasn't saying, thus says the Lord, or God told me this. He was just talking as a man who uh, has been praying and seeking God along these lines. And he's connected to many prayer missions and prophetic ministries in our country. And he was just sharing what he's sensing in his heart from the Lord. And he says that within the next three to five years, he feels that we are in the America are going to have a, a serious, serious outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And of course, this bears witness with what I've been feeling too. I mean, I feel such excitement and faith in my heart for any moment now. I'm just waiting for the first waves of revival to start breaking upon the shores of America of the third great awakening. And I feel so much expectation in my heart. So he had my attention when he was sharing this. And he made this statement. He talked about the coming move of God and the outpouring of the Spirit, which I've been talking about on this podcast, you know, since it started, about a million soul harvest in our region and and uh, even greater than that in the nation as a whole, leading unto a great harvest in the nations to complete the Great Commission. And, and he said that this third great awakening that's coming, he described it as a tidal wave of glory. And um, that really grabbed my attention. And when he described the move of God as not just a nice move of the Spirit that refreshes the saints and refocuses us on uh, living a godly life and seeking God more, it not just a nice little outpouring of the Spirit where several thousand people get saved, um, it, it more than that, when he talks about the glory of God being open, being manifest uh, in our nation, Man, that is a serious, serious thing to me because in my history with the Lord, this is something that the Lord has talked to me uh, about over over the last you know ten years or so uh, or more about talking about the glory of God. And immediately when He said that, I thought of Acts chapter five. And in Acts chapter five, what we see is um, God's glory just being manifest 
openly in the city of Jerusalem and the surrounding area to a very, very, very high level. Uh, to, and it was wonderful. So you have Peter's shadow healing the sick and people would come from surrounding towns and villages and bring their demon possessed and their sick and their crippled and their lame. They would bring them to line uh, the pathway that Peter would walk on. And as he walked by, his shadow would, pa- would c- pass over them. And the glory of God that was on him would actually touch the person and the sick would be healed. The demons would leave people. This was happening at not just once or twice, but in such a consistent level that people knew, hey, at this, Peter's going to be walking this way. We're going to come all the way from our town carrying our paralytics on a mat so that Peter can walk by them and God will heal them. I mean, this is like God's glory was significantly being manifested in, in, a, in a great way in the city of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 5. And it says that more and more people were being saved and added to the church and the fear of the Lord was throughout the entire city of Jerusalem. And so it's an awesome thing when the glory of God begins to manifest like that. But here's the deal. It's also a terrifying and a sobering thing when God's glory is openly manifest like that. Because Ananias and Sapphira, two members of the church in Jerusalem lied to the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 5 and were immediately struck dead by the Holy Spirit as a judgment because they lied to the Holy Spirit trying to make themselves look good in the eyes of men and uh, look better than they really were. And God did not allow them to get away with that sin. And and there's things... um, you know, so to speak, I, I've, I've heard the phrase uh, referring to the, the tabernacle in the Old Testament. There's there's things you can get away with in the outer court that would get you killed in the Holy of Holies. And there's something about when you come into the, the, the unfiltered glory of God, uh, nothing is hidden. Everything is exposed. The motives of the heart and uh, sins, um, you know, the sin of Ananias and Sapphira, telling a lie to make themselves look better in front of the church than they really were, that thing happens all the time in the Church of America. I mean, that that is so common. I've been guilty of that type of thing myself. I, I'm, I'm assuming it happens in my church over the years. It's happened many times probably. And I'm like, man, you know, we get away with that. What happens when the glory of God comes in? And of course, I am hungry. I'm like, God, send your glory. I'll take the risk. You know, I prepare my heart, get me ready, prepare my church, prepare my children, you know, to, to host the glory of God. Because right now, we are holding our little candle of light up in a very dark world and people are just blind and they're walking and they're going into eternity without Jesus. But when God's glory becomes openly manifest like that in in, in amazing ways, all of a sudden, the, the, the light of God in the city becomes this raging fire that everyone can see that God is real. There's something to this Jesus. And they may not all get saved, but many, many, many of them will. They may not all get saved, but they they have the fear of the Lord. They know that God is among his people. And we need that desperately in the church. And so I'm excited for the glory of God to come. But I was asking the Lord after I heard David Bradshaw uh, talk about this, I said, God, how can we prepare... And how can I prepare the next generation, my children, 
to host the glory of God for the coming move of God. And the Lord put three things on my heart that I just want to share with you. Number one, we need to equip every member in in the of the body of Christ in basic ministry skills, such as sharing the gospel, how to disciple a new believer and get them established in the fundamentals of the faith, how to lead discipleship groups, how to heal the sick, how to cast out demons, etc. I mean, basic ministry skills that every follower of Jesus is called to function in. We need right now to prepare for the coming move of God. There's going to be such an enormous harvest when the fear of God is manifested like that. People are going to be repenting of their sins and getting soundly converted. Uh, that John 16, 8 spirit of conviction that comes in um, is going to lead to a great harvest. And right now, uh, the way that the church in America typically tries to disciple new believers, there's no way we could adequately disciple the multitude of new believers that are going to be coming in suddenly um, with our current methods. We can't just have one or two pastors or staff people doing it. We have to equip every member of the body of Christ to preach the gospel, disciple new believers, lead discipleship groups, cast out demons, heal the sick, etc., like they did in the New Testament. And um, number two, we need to prepare for the coming glory by consecrating ourselves fully to God's purposes and to live a holy life. You know, I I have this phrase I like to say called grace-empowered holiness of heart. We need to go into that. It's not just an outward holiness only. It's dealing with the attitudes of the heart. Um, We need that trip us up and choke out our fruitfulness. We need to start overcoming the fear of man. We need to start waging war against our pride and leaning into humility. We need to wage war against self-promotion, lust, insecurity, and many other weeds of the heart, uh, greed, um, you know, the love of money, the fear of lack, all these, these, these attitudes, uh, these um, weeds that are in our heart, we need to pull them out because they are going to trip us up. They already are tripping us up, but we need to pull them out because in an atmosphere of God's glory, um, if we're seeking the praises of men above seeking the praises of the Lord, that is going to be costly. We need to prepare our hearts and uh, lean into that grace-empowered holiness of heart. And then finally, the third thing that God's uh, put on my heart to prepare for the coming glory is we need to learn how to host the presence of God and minister directly to God. You know, this is a, a, a skill that's throughout the whole, uh, the whole Bible is God wants his people to know how to host his presence and to minister him to him in prayer and in worship and even with fasting and different things like that. We need to learn how to prepare a dwelling place for God, a place for God to dwell by hosting his presence, paying attention to the spirit as we walk throughout our life and daily life where we're not just uh, preoccupied with all kinds of things, but we're learning how to listen to God and stay in that continual conversation with the Holy Spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit throughout our day and how to stay in the presence of God and just gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and worship God and minister to the Lord and tell him how lovely that he is. Um, you know, I, I one passage of scripture that comes to my mind is in, I believe it's the book of Exodus, where Joshua and Moses both go into the tent of meeting. And that was a place where they would go to meet with God. And they were there for a while. And then Moses leaves the tent of meeting. But Joshua, the future leader, you know, the apprentice, so to speak, of Moses, Even after Moses leaves, 
Joshua stays in the tent of meeting because there was something in his heart that uh, had been captured by God. He loved the Lord. He loved to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. He loved to be in the presence of the Lord. He loved to hear God's voice. He know he knew how to stay in the presence of the Lord and to enjoy God in that place and host the presence of God. And we need to learn how to do that ourselves to prepare a dwelling place for the glory of God to abide with us. We need to train the next generation how to do that as well. And so I just want to uh, end this segment really quickly by praying a prayer over us and specifically over the next generation that God's raising up the students in our region. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would train the gen- this generation of students throughout our region to minister to the Lord and host your presence. Raise them up as a Joshua generation that stays long hours in the tent of meeting and leads the charge to take the land for God. In Jesus' name, amen. So now let's transition into segment two and get some character training from the Apostle Paul. So in this segment, I want to share some leadership wisdom from the Apostle Paul. And you know, a a few years ago, I was reading in in 2 Corinthians, and as I read, there were were these tons of these statements that Paul would make that just talked, that were leadership wisdom for those of us who are in leadership serving the Lord. And they just grabbed my heart and I thought, man, this is so good. It's all about having an excellent spirit. So I want to just share a few of these statements from 2 Corinthians with you. The first one's in 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. And what Paul does is he kind of peels back the veil of his heart and he gives us a peek into what drives him, what motivates him. And he says, our goal is to please him. He's speaking of Christ. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Our number one goal in life and our priority is to please God. That's it. Our, in everything we do, in every conversation we have, in, in, uh, in every time we share the gospel, when we're being with our children, when we're just hanging out with our spouse, when we're doing a hobby, when we're going shopping, when we're at the workplace, whatever it is we're doing, we want to cultivate this heart attitude that our bullseye that we're aiming at is, God, what I'm doing right now, help me to be pleasing in your sight in the way that I do it. And if it's not something that can please God, it's not something that we should be doing. But Paul had this uh, just uh, awareness that he was going to stand before Jesus and give an account at the judgment for the motives of his heart, as well as for all of his words and all of his actions. And he was so cognizant of that. And so he was like, God, I just want to please you in what I do and in how I do it. And I really, this is, I probably think about the judgment seat of Christ. I would say every day of my life for years and years and years and years. It is a major uh, thing that drives me, that shapes uh, what I do and why I do it. I'm constantly in conversation with the Holy Spirit. God, help me to do this in a way that will be pleasing to you, that will receive a reward at the judgment and bring you glory and not something that will just be swept away and burned up in the fires of judgment. And I would give you this counsel. This is something that's been so helpful to me. 
that I learned from other leaders. Aim your life at the judgment seat of Christ. You know, don't just aim your life at, I want to have a good service. Don't just aim your life at, I want to be a good leader. I want to be a good mom. I want to go have a good time with my kids right now. I want to encourage you to aim your life at the judgment seat of Christ. So when I'm recording a podcast like this, my goal isn't, God, help me just to make a good podcast. I'm like, God, help me to record something that will bear eternal fruit. That when I stand before you and talk about this podcast episode at the judgment seat of Christ, it brings you pleasure, it brings you glory, and you brought good fruit that remains from it. And uh, I encourage you in every little detail of life, say, Holy Spirit, help me to be pleasing in everything I do. Then Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 through 12, he says this. He's talking to the Corinthian church and he says, God knows that we are sincere. And I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves again to you? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. When I read this, I wrote in the margin of my Bible, I wrote, you know, essentially to myself, I said, Jeff, are you pursuing a spectacular ministry or a sincere heart? Guess which one heaven values most. And I want to just share that with you too. I think it's it's easy sometimes to get, especially in in our Western culture, it's it's easy um, to get caught up and distracted by trying to build a spectacular ministry that's impressive in the eyes of people or that's impressive in our own eyes and proves something to ourselves that we're not losers, whatever it is, instead of being focused on serving Jesus and his people with a sincere heart. And I, I, it's just so important to get our eyes off of the pursuit of a spectacular ministry. You know what? There are a lot of ministries that have gone on in the earth, even now, that look spectacular in the eyes of men, but at the judgment seat of Christ, when all is revealed, we find out they weren't spectacular in the eyes of God. But there are other ministries that are completely unknown, almost entirely unknown to people. But you know what? Before the judgment seat of Christ, they will be revealed to have been dynamic, spectacular, fruitful, celebrated ministries in the eyes of the Lord. So again, we want to aim at the judgment seat of Christ. Our goal is not to just build a ministry that looks impressive with a lot of glitz, a lot of glamour, inflated numbers of success. Instead, we just want to be sincere. We want to be faithful to God in the assignment that he's given us, faithful to serve people on Jesus' behalf. And um, that is what we're going for, a sincere heart, not just a spectacular ministry in the eyes of people. And then the last scripture I want to share with you is 2 Corinthians 12, verse 6, where Paul says, if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it because here's the key phrase. I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Oh, I love this statement. You know, in an effort to impress people with how special we are, we like to boast about the prophecies over our lives or about uh, what we will do in the future or about, we like to boast about private experiences that we've had with God. But Paul said, I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see plainly in my life or hear in my message. 
I don't want to, you know, in other words, I don't want to share glory stories in an effort to impress people with how anointed I am. You know, the truth is I am who I am. Uh, The good, the bad, and the ugly. The fruit of my life and message speaks for itself. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10.18, when people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. Again, hear what Paul is saying, you know, through these different verses. Our goal is to be sincere in our ministry and in our heart before the Lord and before people, not just to pursue pleasing people or being impressive to them. We want to pursue pleasing the Lord. Aim your life at the judgment seat of Christ. All right, now we're going to go ahead and transition into our next segment where I'll give you a a few tips for how to drive out demons. Jesus said that his followers would drive out demons. In Mark chapter 16, he's giving the Great Commission, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. You know, I remember uh, this is an essential uh, essential ministry skill um, as we participate in the Great Commission to proclaim the good news about Jesus and make disciples is, is setting people free from demonic bondage. And so I remember, uh, you know, a number of years ago, I was going door to door. I only had about 30 minutes because I was in a hurry. And I remember knocking on a door. Some lady comes to the door. I asked her how I could pray for her. And she says, well, I have epileptic seizures. And so I said, okay. And I said, well, um, when did the seizures start? She says, I've had them my whole life. And then I said, okay. I said, well, is this something that um, anybody else in your family has as well? And she says, yeah, actually, a lot of people in my family um, have have this problem with with the seizures like I have them and it's it's a major problem and so I just discerned uh, right away I felt like it was an evil spirit that um, had uh, was afflicting her family different members in her family with these uh, with this epilepsy like she had it and so I said you know can I pray with you for Jesus to heal that and so I led her in a simple prayer I asked her if she was a believer she said she was but I led her in a prayer just giving her life to Jesus uh, um, to to live for Jesus to believe that Jesus died to forgive her sins on the cross and remove the curse from her life and uh, that she was free from the curse and that now she was blessed because of what Jesus did on the cross for her and um, that she's a new creation in Christ Jesus. And uh, and then I just took authority. I just, Father, we just declare that any evil spirit that's afflicting her will leave. And um, it was a sh- not a long prayer, but it was interesting. This doesn't always happen to me. In fact, it, it, it's only happened a few times, but I always take note when it does. When I'm praying with people in public and all of a sudden I feel the presence of God show up like from zero to 10 on the power of God scale in an instant. And I remember praying with her and all of a sudden it was just like whoosh, there was this strong presence of God showed up. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. And so I asked her because I didn't know if she felt it too. And I said, well, um, you know, how are you feeling? And she says, well, I felt something fly away from me when you prayed that prayer. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. And what it was, is it was that spirit of affliction leaving her. And um, I came and she was so happy. And I led her to, you know, to pray, to give her life to the Lord, so to speak, and uh, basically. And when I came back two days later to check on her, 
And um, I and she was so happy when she saw me. She was excited. She was smiling. I said, hey, I just wanted to check on you. How are you feeling? And she goes, I haven't had any seizures since you prayed for me and that thing flew away from me when you prayed. And I said, really? And I said, it's been two days. I said, well, how often did you usually have those seizures? Because I didn't know if it was once a month or something. She says, no, I have multiple seizures every single day multiple seizures every single day. And I haven't had one for the last two days since, since that thing flew away from me. This is what she said. And I said, wow, praise the Lord. Now, uh, just to give you full disclosure, the rest of the story, I ran into her again about three or four years later. And, um, you know, she, she didn't necessarily continue in discipleship, walking on, following the Lord. I didn't do a good job following up with her and discipling her. So I actually met her three or four years later and she had started having seizures again. But uh, the story goes true. I do believe that the demon left her and she experienced freedom from that thing. And, uh, you know, I think that if she would have, uh, if I would have done a better job discipling her and following up with her and teaching her how to walk in the spirit, um, I think she would have stayed free. Uh, from those seizures. But point being made, Jesus has uh, said that his followers will drive out demons and it's important in the Great Commission. So our key tools for getting rid of demons are the blood of Jesus, our faith in Jesus' victory on the cross, and the name of Jesus. Those three things I see as our key tools. Again, the blood of Jesus. You know, the reason we can get free from sin is because Jesus' blood cleanses us from sin. It's also our second key is our faith. We have to have confidence in Jesus' victory and what he did on the cross. We have to believe it is essential for our deliverance. And then finally, the name, the authority of Jesus' name, are those are our key tools for getting rid of demons. You know, we act in the authority of Jesus, not our own authority. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. When we say to demons, I command you to leave now in Jesus' name, what we're doing is we're not telling them in our own authority, like, I command you to leave now. Because if it were just us, those demons are so much more powerful than just us. They would laugh at us. They'd be like, I don't care what you're telling me, Pipsqueak. I'm not going anywhere. But here's the deal. When we say, when God is with us and we're acting in on in Jesus' name and we say, I command you to leave in Jesus' name, it's just like Jesus is telling them to leave. Let me give you a short illustration about this. When my son was young, he was probably three years old, something like that. And we had a, a golden retriever. He's a big golden retriever. And um, I had taught my dog how to come using hand signals. And so I would say, come, and I would give him a hand signal and he would come. And, uh, you know, when I called him, well, one day, you know, my son was standing there and I just happened to be standing behind him. And all of a sudden, my little three-year-old looks at my dog and he goes, Obi, come. And my dog just sat there and looked at him. And I just imagine my dog thinking, why would I come to you? You're like so small. You have no authority whatsoever. Why should I come to you? And then again, in his most bold, deep, authoritative voice, my little three-year-old goes, Obi, come shouting at him. Obi doesn't budge. You know, he's not going to move and come just because my son calls him. So then without my son knowing, I, I'm standing behind my son and I look at my dog and without saying a word, I quietly just give the hand signal. And as soon as my dog sees me give the hand signal, he instantly comes. And my son felt so good. You know, he was like, yeah, the dog came when I called him. But, and, but really the dog came because I called him. But when we command demons to leave in Jesus' name, 
that's what's happening in the spirit is we're saying, I command you to leave in Jesus name and they'll leave because when we tell them to do it in Jesus name, it's like Jesus is telling them to leave and they respond to him every single time. So we have to walk in our authority using Jesus name and he will back up our authority. In order to get demons out, it's helpful to understand how they get in, in the first place. So the primary way that demons get access to our lives is through sin. Either our own sin or maybe a sin that somebody else did to us and it opened up, that somebody else did and it opened up a door for demons to afflict us. Um, You know, for example, there's cases where uh, uh, mothers who are involved in witchcraft will dedicate their babies to Satan. Well, their baby didn't sin. Their baby does not making a conscious choice to worship Satan, but that mother has authority. And when she dedicates her baby to Satan, a lot of times it opens doors for demons to come and access and torment that child until they get freedom through Jesus. So the primary way that demons get in is through our own sin or through sin that somebody else has done that's opened a door for them to afflict our lives. So what I wanna do is I wanna identify five of the most common sins that demons use to access our lives. Number one is unforgiveness. Bitterness is another way you can say it. Refusing to forgive people when they sin against us really does open doors for demons to torment us. That is so true. And uh, I don't want to go into a whole teaching on this, but I I remember one time um, I had a a friend of mine who had a wrist injury. It was a carpal tunnel type thing. And he had this uh, brace that was on his arm because of this wrist injury. And, um, he had heard a teaching on forgiveness and and he came forward and he was praying to forgive his dad, you know, who had sinned against him. And he was just praying. He's like, God, you know, I forgive my dad in Jesus name. And as he forgave his dad, all of a sudden he felt a pop in his wrist and he looked at it. He took the brace off. He was completely healed instantly. His wrist was. And what had ended up happening, he wasn't even praying for healing. He wasn't even thinking about that. But the unforgiveness toward his father had opened up a door for a spirit to afflict him, an evil spirit to afflict him. And as soon as he repented and he forgave his dad, the blood of Jesus covered him. And all of a sudden that demon left and his wrist was instantly healed. So unforgiveness is a major, major way that demons get access to our lives. So be sure to forgive quickly. Number two, immorality. You know, this is lust, uh, pornography, you know, masturbation, sexual acts outside of the marriage union, whether they're heterosexual or homosexual, fantasy, uh, sexual fantasy, etc. Um, sexual immorality really does open doors for demons to afflict and torment our lives. Uh, number three, uh, third most common sin is the occult. You know, uh, involvement in occult activities, um, witchcraft, things like that. And, you know, I want to just say this isn't just Satanism and participating in seances and false religions. I mean, all that is included for sure. But, you know, right now in our culture, uh, the occult is permeating uh, the entertainment world. I mean, there are so many movies that uh, are have occult themes in them, uh, horror movies, 
You watch horror movies, I promise you this, you are opening the door for demons to come in, spirit of fear to come in and torment your life. Um, like the Twilight series, you know, movies or whatever that came out a number of years ago. Absolute witchcraft, the vampire stuff. There's so many different examples. Those are just a few um, where people, when they participate in these occult, they read the occult books, you know, the Harry Potter books, and they think, well, you know, it's just good writing. I'm not really doing witchcraft. But you know what? When they're entertaining themselves with occultic things, they are opening the door and giving permission to demons to come and torment them. And so, you know, demons don't play fair. And uh, we, we do give them permission when we entertain ourselves with their stuff. Uh, video games, music, um, there's so many occult themes in music and in video games nowadays. I remember one time my, my wife praying for a lady who was uh, to be delivered from demons. And the way that the demon got into her life was through a particular video game that she was playing. And um, so again, occult is a big deal. So have nothing to do with the occult, horoscopes, different things like that. Um, you know, they're all through the culture and that's only going to increase before Jesus returns. So guard your heart, get discernment and have nothing to do with evil. Uh, the fourth most common sin that demons get access to our lives is curses. So this can be like a witchcraft curse type thing that, that somebody puts on you through a cultic activity, but it can also be word curses that are just spoken by ourselves or that others speak over this and we agree with. Uh, curses that result from our sin. You know, uh, the word of God talks about Jesus says to Israel, he says, if you do not obey the Lord, your God, all these curses will come upon you. And, uh, you know, that's real. That really is real. Disobedience is costly. So curses is a way that demons uh, get access into our lives. And then uh, the fifth most common sin that opens doors to demons uh, is deception. And again, these are just lies that we believe either about God, lies that we believe about ourselves that don't agree with what God says about who we are. Um, I, I think, for example, of uh, many people who say they're transgender or they say they're homosexual, homosexual and they say, I was born this way. And they, they say, this is my identity. This is how God made me. This is who I am. That's not true. That's actually completely contrary. Uh, to the to the word of God, but it has power in their life and it opens up doors for demons to uh, stay in their life and energize wrong desires because they agree with it. And so deception, lies that we believe about ourselves or other things and people, living in truth is a safeguard from evil spirits. So you know, I, the reason I, sh I, I took that time to just kind of share how demons get in, how, get access to our lives through sin of various types is because it helps us know how to get them out. So once you've, you know, when you know that you're being tormented or somebody you're ministering to is being tormented, and if you can identify how that demon got access to their life, it will help you be able to uh, get out. So if there's a sin that they need to repent of, um, you can you can have them repent of that sin and then renounce the spirit behind it and command it to go and it will leave. But if they don't repent of the sin, you can command the spirit to leave in Jesus' name. It might leave temporarily, but if they keep doing the sin, it'll come right back. So how do we get the demons out? Okay. I want you to remember these three R's, the three R words. Okay. Repent, renounce, receive. So to get demons out, you first repent from the sin that we did or the lie that we believed. You repent of it. Say, God, 
I repent for believing that lie. That is not true. I agree with what you say that is true. And be specific about it. Uh, I repent for this sin that I did. And God, forgive me. I receive forgiveness for that. And then renounce the spirit that was behind that sin or the lie and command that spirit to leave. So God, I repent of this sin. I renounce the spirit that was behind it, that energized and tempted me so I would open the door to it or that got me to be deceived and buy into that lie. I renounce the spirit that was behind that and I command it to leave me now in Jesus' name and it will go. So repent, renounce, and then receive. So important, receive forgiveness by faith. Receive deliverance and and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit by faith. So after you've repented and and the sin, renounced the, the evil spirit and told it to leave, then say, Father, I come to you right now. Keep your eyes on the Father, on Jesus, and say, I I receive forgiveness from you. I thank you that you've cleansed me from my sin because of Jesus' blood. I thank you that you've set me free and that you're protecting me, that that demon doesn't have access to me anymore because you're protecting me and I've repented of that sin. Thank you. I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and and Jesus' name. And so I want to pray with you right now. And again, I shared this for two reasons. You can, most of the deliverance that I've experienced in my own life from strongholds of the enemy or evil spirits that have been afflicting me or tormenting me, whatever uh, vocabulary you want to use for that, most of it has been just me and the Lord, just praying because I, 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 because I know how to deal with this stuff. And so when the Holy Spirit exposes work of the enemy in my life, I repent of the sin that I did to cooperate with that demon. I renounce that demon and command it to leave me. And then I receive forgiveness, deliverance, and the filling of the Holy Spirit in its place. So I want to pray with you right now. And I wanted to share this with you so you could be free and know how to minister freedom to yourself in partnership with the Holy Spirit. But I also wanted to equip you to be able to minister deliverance to those you're discipling because there's a great harvest coming in and deliverance from demons is going to be one of the the major things. It always is that the Lord does when the kingdom of God shows up in power is darkness has to leave. And so I wanna just pray with you right now. If there's an evil spirit that's tormenting your life and maybe while I've even been uh, talking and you've been listening to this podcast, um, the Holy Spirit's brought to mind like, you know what, when I, I, I did this sin, I've opened up that door. And so I just want you right now, don't be condemned, just repent. The Holy Spirit's not telling you that to make you feel bad. He's telling you that because he wants to set you free because he cares about you. And so I want you to just pray right now and just say, Jesus, I repent of my sin and I repent of that lie that I've been believing. I renounce the lie and I agree with the truth. I forgive that person. Now, Holy Spirit, I declare in Jesus' name, I renounce the evil spirit that was behind that lie and behind that sin that was energizing it and, uh, and, and getting me to buy into it. I renounce that spirit and I command it to leave me now in Jesus' name. And I receive from you, God, I receive forgiveness from my sin. I receive deliverance and freedom. And I I receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
There is a hugely significant event happening September 27th through the 29th that I want to seriously encourage you to participate in. It is called Tent America. So followers of Jesus uh, on those dates will be ga- will gather together in outdoor tents in every state capital in the United States of America and on many college campuses throughout our nation for 50 hours of consecutive worship and prayer and music and outreach. And so what's going to be happening is every state capital is going to have a tent. All at the same time, the same dates, there'll be people all through the nation in every state who will be gathering and on many college campuses to worship Jesus, to pray and throne him as Lord over that city, over that state, over that campus. There'll be teams that will be going out sharing the gospel while the prayer and the worship is happening. I am so excited for this event. I really do believe that God is going to use it to help usher in a third great awakening in our nation and train the next generation to host the presence of God in the tent of meeting. So I encourage you to go find out more uh, um, information about the Tent America gatherings that are happening in your state. You can go to awakenthedawn.org slash tent dash America. Again, awakenthedawn.org slash tent dash America. Again, Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you have not already done so, can I ask you to take a minute to subscribe to this podcast and then leave a positive review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Then tell your friends about it and invite them to listen to it. Also, if you have any testimonies or questions, I would love to hear them. Please email them to me at 5statereval. That's the number 5statereval at gmail.com. Check it back in with us again for our next episode and God bless.